This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, the business station. This is Cruise Control. And we are back. Car show here on BFM. Of course, that was Daniel Fernandez from DSF. My. I'm Richard Bradbury, and with us, um, helping us along, um, or rather, we'll be helping him along, is somebody that knows even less about cars than I do. That is Ali Johan. Welcome to the show, Ali. Thank you. Good evening, Daniel and Richard. It's good to good be here. Good evening. How are you feeling? Surprised that you swapped Arif with another one who looks <laughs> a lot like him. Talking about cars. <laughs> No idea what you mean about that, Ali, but, you know, um, let's have a discussion then. Let, as usual, a show in three parts. We've got some uh, little pieces of news up front. Then we've got some car launches. Um, Daniel's going to be talking a little bit about Elon Musk. Mm. And of course, at the end of the show, we have a car review, um, and it is the Lexus NX350F Sport, as if it wasn't a mouthful enough. Uh, what news have we got this week, then? So, we came back off of the uh, Hari Raya holiday period and uh, mm. there was a report on soyachinchow.com actually about how uh, PDRM are now using drones uh, to catch traffic violators and they launched this operation in conjunction with Ops Slamat 18. Uh, they do mm. this every time we have a holiday season and it is really a fast way to identify traffic offences, especially... Um, people who illegally use the emergency lanes on the left uh, during uh, highly congested periods. Daniel, I'm sure you've got some opinions on this. I think this is a great move by the PDRM. I think finally they've gone into the world of technology to make sure they catch these people. But I only have one question. Be careful. Did, did, they, <laughs> did careful. they actually give summonses to to politicians who took the emergency oh. lane. You, you, you just have to do it, don't you? You just have to, like, you know. Ali, do you know how much money they've been spending on these drones? Do we have uh, any ideas or, or how many people they actually caught? So it costs the PDRM about 13000 US dollars uh, to uh, acquire these drones. Through the drones, um, the violators are stopped at the next um, either roadblock or by the police up front and they're issued a summon of 300 ringgit on the spot so they, they have wow. you know the video evidence to prove it so there you uh-huh. go what if we didn't have 300 ringgit uh-huh. then you have to go to the uh, balai the next time you're around right or, or you yeah. wait till end of the year then you'll get the discounted the usual yeah, I mean, yearly discount COVID like last year ah you know so but still I think it, it'll definitely pay for itself it's good it's I a very good move, move. Uh, okay uh, any more news before we move on that's all the news we have uh, in a quite slow and uh, quiet week of Hari Raya celebrations. Yes. It's just people getting back to work nice and slowly, isn't it? Right. Now then, um, car launches then, what have we got this week? Really quiet car launch. It was quiet because they didn't have an actual launch. They just released the information. Oh, like that. Right. So this is the new Audi Q5 Sportback. Mm-hmm. So what happened is uh, Audi in Malaysia, instead of having a launch and a gambit and spending a lot of money, which is which which is good, I think, they just release it to showrooms. They send us a press release. They send us some pictures and information. So I think, you know, because, you know, Audi is also not doing very well in Malaysia right now. Their numbers are not huge. Mm. I think they do less than 300 cars a year. You know? Really? Yeah, because, you know, they're fully imported, so the prices are not favorable. So, like, for this Audi Q5 Sportback... Um, mm. You know, fully loaded. It's the latest model. 
it's priced from 405,000 ringgit. Oh, you. Exactly. Are you. So, <laughs> if you compare with the equivalent from Mercedes or Volvo or BMW, yeah. It's a lot more expensive, you know. It's it's twenty thirty percent more expensive. But you see, when it's fully imported, this is the problem because the Volvo is local assembled, Mercedes Benz GLC is local assembled, and the BMW X3 is local assembled. So mm. Audi has got this issue. But at the same time, you're getting a high quality, fully imported car. Uh, this is the S line version, two liter, two FSI, quattro engine. That means, uh, sorry, quattro drivetrain. That means it's four wheel drive, uh, four cylinder engine, two hundred forty nine horsepower. 370 newton meters of torque and it comes with a 7 speed astronic gearbox it'll do 0 to 100 acceleration in 6.1 seconds and of course top speed 240 kilometers which you're not supposed to reach because the speed limit is 110 on our highways and it'll do a, you know pretty good fuel economy at about 8 liters for 100 kilometers so this is one of the few cars that I think you're not going to do volume sales, but you'll see a few people wanting their little special Audi. Normally, you come on, you say these things have already sold out. So these things have not already sold out. No, because of the price. <laughs> Righty, how? What else have we got? Another car last week, the Porsche 911 Sport Classic, uh, which is a limited edition uh, Porsche, uh, yeah. an homage to the 1970s 911 Carrera RS, and apparently only 1,250 units will be made. <sighs> This is like uh, an homage to my dream car. This you buy me one of these. Man, this know. is a homage to nobody's homage, lah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one thousand two hundred fifty units globally. You know, by the time the Europeans, Americans, the Japanese, and a few Middle Eastern guys buy it, we'll probably get a you know like three or four dribble units. And you know, we know who the regular buyers are. You know, in Malaysia, and you know, what's the point? Actually, what's yeah. the point? You know, mm-hmm. but, but it's it a beautiful, is a beautiful car. car. Yeah. It's a yeah, beautiful right. looking car. Look at it. Yeah, let me just go through some specs. Uh, the engine is the same as the 911 Turbo S, which has a 3.7 liters twin turbo flat six. Uh, but in this 911 Sport Classic, the only transmission option is a seven speed manual. Uh, mm. But it is also the most powerful Porsche 911 to be to to have a manual engine, producing 543 horsepower and about 600 newton meters of torque. In a car like this, if it's a manual, that means uh, maybe that three or four units that come to Malaysia, me and Richard might get a chance to buy it <laughs> because the super rich they they can't drive manual, you know. That's a very good point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we might get to look at it at least. I I, I don't know when it's arriving, and you know if it it probably arrive and straight away go to the to the buyer's house or Langkawi. Mm, probably Langkawi. You're right. So, what kind of price would we be looking at at something like this? This has got to be like multiple millions, I'd imagine, if it were uh, to arrive on our shores and and well, be available. Well, they've not given us the local price, but the previous 911 Targa 4S Heritage design uh, was sold for 1.677 million. So, this one, you know, maybe 1.6, 1.7, 1.8. It's still not that expensive if you compare it to an Aston Martin or a Ferrari or a Lamborghini. It's know? in your price range, Ali. Yeah, Easily. I mean, definitely. Easily. Yeah. 
Easily. Easy. Like, all two. that money he saved all this while, tra- you know, commuting to work and all that. Easily. I'm, I'm a loyal Grab rider. <laughs> oh, nice plug there. You're getting some money from them. Eh? Well done, well done. Okay. No, uh, I'm paying them money to get me to places more like. But yeah, next car we have is a local hero. That just uh, that's my, my, my budget, my budget. This is the Proton Saga 2022 Facelift Edition. Actually, Proton Saga has become a Malaysian classic by now, right, Daniel? The word classic has to be desirable. Nobody has a poster of this car on their wall. <laughs> or even on their screensaver. Come on, there might be one or two. They, yeah, might. they work yeah, at Proton. I think, I think they are Saga fanboys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they work at Proton. Yeah, the Saga has been Proton's bread and butter for nearly four decades now, right? Uh, yes. The latest model, they've been producing this since 2016. And this year's model is a minor update with no major mechanical changes. So what's new uh, in this facelift? Uh, it, it now offers four-speed conventional automatic transmission, a seven-inch touchscreen, and a lot of uh, design and NVH improvements uh, for this sedan uh, in the A segment, right? And looking at some photos, I got to admit the facelift does make it look pretty handsome. I'm not a big fan of the design, but if you talk about, you know, functionality, this design is actually very functional because why? It's, you know, why I'm not so happy with this because the the the, the glass area is too big. It, it looks like it's bulbils, you know? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then it's got a very narrow front end. But the reason for that is because they want to give a lot of space inside because... They are looking at people like grab drivers and you know ride-hailing drivers to use this. So when they carry people like Richard, who are very tall, they can fit in nicely in the back. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So I have a nice bubble at the back. Uh, yes, you have a nice space. You have headroom at the back. So that's mm-hmm. why it's got a very high roof line. It's not so. In terms of design language, it looks a little bit odd, but it has function. Because why? This car is, you know, nobody dreams of buying this car. People need this car. And at the it's price a point, mover. yeah, at the price point, you know, 34400 to 44300 this is a car that you're, you're you know, you, you don't sit down and think about it. Oh, you know, can I afford it? Can I afford it? You, you say, I have to have it because I need to transport my family or I need to do ride hailing or I need to do some... You know, courier business. I've got a big boot. You know, I've got ample space mm-hmm. at the back. It's 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 not the word I'm trying to find. It's not a dream car. You know, but this is a basic car. Keep it as basic as possible, and it'll keep selling for another ten years easily. I think that's pretty much uh, us all wrapped up for car launches for this week. Am I right? Yep. Yeah. Yes, okay, let's move on then. Uh, we're going to wrap up for uh, part one of this show. Of course, when we do come back, uh, Daniel's going to be schooling us all about Elon Musk. I don't know how that's happened, but, you know, stay tuned. I'm sure we'll find out more about that. Of course, you are tuned in to Cruise Control Car Show here on BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, the business station. Welcome back to Cruise Control. My name is Rich Bradbury. I'm joined by Daniel Fernandez uh, from dsf.my, as usual. And our new co-host who's joined us, it is Ali Johan. You may have heard him. Ali, when was the last time you were on air? (laughs) I was doing the Pulse uh, during the MCO, so I'm always usually on at night, yeah. 
so he's been around he's been around in fact almost since the beginning of bfm yes <laughs> right anyway so we've had our car launchers we've had a little piece of news uh daniel um now wants to talk about elon musk and indonesia um yeah um why is elon musk investing in indonesia and not malaysia daniel please okay. tell us now a lot of people were upset when i put up this article you know from both sides of the of the fence you know some people are saying oh you know malaysia no good blah 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 that's why elon musk went to indonesia and then some people said oh you know you're talking rubbish you know uh, elon musk uh, will come to malaysia now end of the day is very simple elon musk is a businessman and investor now mm-hmm. we know that indonesia is the fourth largest population in the world mm-hmm. now wherever elon musk goes he must have a business angle first of all talking about indonesia when he when he met with jokowi in in us and he's also he's also going to go to indonesia there's a, a lot of talk about tesla opening a factory there and everything else is simply because of mining to build the batteries to build a lot of the components for the new teslas um, uh, you know to be used in the region um, mm. the, the the raw materials are coming from indonesia and jokowi being very smart knows that you know he's got that asset on his side he's saying hey i'm not allowing these minerals to be exported mm. you want my minerals fine i've got a huge workforce i've got a clean government come and set up your factory here and then you can export the finished product so he's creating jobs jokowi is creating jobs he's creating opportunities and he's also creating some form of technology transfer right mm-hmm. so he is telling elon listen come set up a factory build your batteries you want to build your cars fine plus if we've got 250000 odd indonesians living in the country even 1% should be quite well to do they can buy your cars mhm you know maybe 0.1% 1% is a bit too much maybe 0.1% this gives a lot of opportunity for other uh, car manufacturers to also go to indonesia so for example cherry automobile Yeah. Why did they set up a factory and partnership in Indonesia and not Malaysia? Not because Malaysia can't do it. I mean, Cherry is not not talking about uh, electric cars or hybrid cars, just normal conventional cars. But mm. they realize that they need volume, you know, to stay relevant. Mm. Mm. And because you have the AFTA agreement, they can go to Indonesia, set up a factory, get a partnership. You have ample workforce, you know. and the government is very proactive there with their automotive policy now when we talk about the automotive policy like our national automotive policy is still very vague thanks to the people who set it up which was mari and mari made it vague so everything needs to be discussed and discussed and discussed whereas with indonesia and thailand there is no discussion of of vagueness it's all set in stone very clear and defined so car manufacturers want something clear and defined because if i'm going to go to a country and invest millions hundreds of millions to set up a factory infrastructure and everything else you know logistics and all that i want something long term i yeah. don't want something that's discussed now with the present government and then if the government changes for some reason if the government changes you know you're up a creek without a paddle how are you going to paddle uh, and keep your your business going so mm. for for person like Elon Musk or any other car company whether it's Cherry whether it's you know Haval all these new companies that are coming in BYD uh, the the hundreds of little motorcycle companies that are coming out of Taiwan and 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 China you know to do electrification they need something very solid they need a very solid um a document you know mm-hmm. uh, 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 something that says okay this is what we are going to be doing with you for the next 15 20 25 years so for them to come to malaysia now 
that Mari has got a new person heading it because the previous person was asked to leave. With a new person heading it, hopefully they will have a clear, defined national automotive policy coming out which will give manufacturers some kind of idea. Now, just to, you know, something new has just come in today. I don't know if you guys have heard this. Foxconn is investing big in Malaysia to make computer chips and um, wafers. Do you know about that? I did not hear about that, no. Okay, it's just been introduced and they're working with a Malaysian company. So you see, there are companies who still want to invest and work in Malaysia, but they need a very clear thing. Now, now, what Foxconn is doing in Malaysia is nothing to do with the NEP because that's technology side. So maybe they got a clear, defined uh, proposal. But with the automotive policy right now, a lot of car companies are still, you know, they're, they're not sure which way they can go, you know? Mm. So it's the same thing now with EV, EV uh, charging infrastructure. For Tesla, it's very simple. I want to come to your country and sell Teslas. Make sure you have the EV charging infrastructure to cope with the possible future sales of my electric car, you know? Mm. So why has Tesla gone big in Singapore? Singapore has got such a small population. But Singapore has got a very defined charging infrastructure and a defined plan of how many more charges they're going to put out. Mm. In Malaysia, it's still talky, talky, talky. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, someone has said, oh, I'm going to put out 1,000 charges. Someone else says, I'm going to put out 10,000 charges. Now, you know, putting up these charges are not easy. Infrastructure costs installation, working with TNB. I mean, TNB is happy to give you the juice. They want to give you the juice because they make the money back, you know? Mm-hmm. But the people who are going to invest in these EV charging infrastructures, they need a lot of money up front. Because why? People who come and charge their electric cars are still in a dreamland, you know what I mean? Mm. There are still people talking about, oh, I should get free charging. Free? Yeah, Listen. That's not, that's not a happen. When, when the diesel car came out, did anyone say, oh, I'm going to give you free diesel? Mm. When the petrol-driven car came out, did everyone say, oh, since you bought a petrol car, I'm going to give you free petrol? No, no, no. Yes, you want people to adopt to electric cars. I've given you now free road tax for three years. I've given you free tax for three years. I have to give you free juice as well. Mm. There's, there's a couple of things, you know, if, if it's okay, um, Daniel, for me to pick at in, sure, in, in what sure. you've been... Now, um, a couple of things there that you highlighted. Corruption, um, and but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. Now, if we, if we look at the, the corruption index for Asia, right. um, and normally these scores are done out of 100, right. uh, you know, with 100 being the best score, right? right? At the top, can you guess which country in Southeast Asia scores best? Uh, Singapore? Correct, right? Okay. So Sing- Singapore comes in at 85. They have right. 85 points. Right. Malaysia comes in at 48. And below that, at 38, is Indonesia right. uh, in, in terms of governmental uh, uh, and business corruption. So right. technically, arguably, uh, and from research, Indonesia is actually more corrupt than Malaysia is. Right. But, but you know, we live in Malaysia, and often we can talk about the realities of that. Right. I, I think the the bigger point on, on what you mentioned is about Elon's entry into Indonesia and not Malaysia is is because of the transparency of the business that he's able to do. Correct. You know when it comes uh, to when it comes to the automotive landscape. For sure, for right. sure. Right. And it, it it's been such a pain when we've been talking about this, you know, national car plan or whatever and it's when people have been asking about it and we can't give definitive answers about right. what the plan actually is exactly. exactly and it makes a huge issue 
you see, it's not it's it's not something that can move very fast because there's a lot of money involved. And of course, mm. we're coming out of COVID. You know, our currency is not favorable. Uh, you know, even Indonesian currency is not favorable against the the US dollar. Mm. But there are more millionaires in Indonesia to take advantage of this than are mal- millionaires in Malaysia. That's number one. Mm. Number two. The workforce. We are now having a problem getting proper workforce. If you talk to a lot of car manufacturing plants right now, they are actually having labor issues. Yeah. Okay. Don't talk about the plantation industry and the FMB industry. That one I know already, but I'm just talking about the auto industry. A lot of them are having labor issues. It's also lucky because you know parts are not coming in. There's a lot of logistics problems, so production of cars has slowed down. But if they go back to full full production, they are going to have labor issues. And Indonesia doesn't have the labor issues. They've got a huge labor market ready to work, hardworking people, you know. Mm-hmm. When Hyundai said that they're going to start their EV manufacturing in Indonesia a couple of years ago, uh, a lot of people were upset because why Hyundai used to manufacture here, but they said, no, for EV manufacturing, we will go there. Now, at that point, a lot of people said, oh, you know, not fair. But then Hyundai said, we'll do in Indonesia and we'll also do in Singapore. Singapore, which land is so expensive, labor is so expensive, but they're willing to do in Singapore. So when it comes to EVs, because the assembly process is a lot easier, the factory doesn't have to be so large, the parts are much less, the cost to produce the car, I mean, put the car together, makes a lot of sense to do it even in Singapore. Because why? Clear and defined automotive policies. That and Singapore has a very extensive and international seaport. Yes. Okay. Sure. Uh, are, are we done with Elon for today? I, I think we're done with him for the day, yeah. You know, don't what have to mention anything. Tato topic that yes, is. Yes, yes. I, I suspect we might be getting some feedback on this. Yeah. Ooh, plenty. Ooh. Ali, your first show as well. Wow. I know. Right. Okay, folks, uh, we're going to wrap up for this segment, of course. Uh, you are tuned into Cruise Control, the car show here on uh, BFM. We've already had new car launches. We've had a little bit about some PDRM drones. Daniel's two four, six, eight, ten cents opinion on why Elon Musk is opening up business in Indonesia, of course. When we come back, we do have a review to wrap up the show. It's the Lexus NX 350F Sport here on Cruise Control, BFM FM 89.9, the business station. Welcome back to Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. We're into part three. It is the review of the Lexus NX 350F Sport. If you're only just joining us, you're too late. You've missed the news. You've missed Daniel's two cents on Elon Musk and Indonesia. But we do have this lovely car review. Daniel, tell us about this test drive. Okay, so this is the second generation Lexus NX now. Uh, the previous generation came out a few years ago. It did very well. Now, when we say very well, we are not just talking about numbers sold by Lexus Malaysia showrooms. We are also talking about grey imports. The moment the grey recon car guys start bringing in a vehicle, you mm. know this is a popular vehicle. Okay. Mm. Now, for Lexus Malaysia, this was their most popular model. From the time oh. they launched it until they stopped selling it about three, four, five, six months ago. I mean, late last year, sorry. So mm. now comes the whole new second generation model. It's all new, new platform, new engines and everything else. So Malaysia gets two versions, the NX250 Luxury 
and the NX350F Sport. Now, the 250 Luxury uses a very um, standard 2.5-liter nat naturally aspirated petrol engine, which you'll find in the normal uh, basic uh, Lexus sedan. But mm. we were not able to test drive this model because at the launch, they only had one model for us to test drive around Sepang Circuit. And I'll explain to you why later. So what we had was the NX350F Sport. Now, this comes with a 2.4-liter turbocharged petrol engine with an 8-speed conventional gearbox and, of course, all-wheel drive. Now, the reason why they didn't give us the standard version to drive, the, the 2.5 liter. didn't trust you there. Not that, not that. First of all, first of all, the price difference between these two cars is very small. Secondly, they've already got an order bank of more than 100 units and 90 over percent is for the 350 F Sport. Huh. So they know that the 350 F-Sport is going to be the biggest seller. So let's right. push it out. Let's get some media interest in it. Let's put out some messages on the on the website, you know? Mm. So we took it out on, on the Sepang circuit. Okay, to start off with, everything in this car is new. From, from the shape, the lights, the design, uh, you know, everything is new. There's nothing carried forward. You get into the car, even the, the infotainment system is new. It's bigger. And they've taken away the remote touch interface. What they used to do before is they had a smaller screen in the center but they had a flat panel on the center console which you can use your finger and, and run through it to work the, the, the panel. Mm -hmm. Now, it seemed a bit silly because why? It's easier just to have a touch screen, right? Yeah. yeah. So now they've done it all in a touch screen, 14 inch. It's huge and it's angled towards the driver. So if you look at the interior pictures, you'll see that it's angled towards the driver and also it's tilted slightly. So with that, the sun doesn't hit it right on when it's uh, 12 noon, okay? Right, right, right. Okay, yeah. so it's, it's, it, they've, they've done some interesting um, thought process on this vehicle. So we took it out for a test drive. Um, you know, I've got a video out there of me test driving this vehicle and it drives like a sports sedan. Yes, it's an SUV, it's sitting up high, it's got all-wheel drive, it's, you know, it's the stance and everything else. But it is quick, it's fast, it's very responsive. And it's got an engine note, which comes into the cabin, but you don't get wind noise and tire noise and tarmac noise coming into the cabin. So what they've done is they've made sure the firewall allows some engine note to come in. Oh, that's cool. Yes. So if you drive slow, it's super silent, it's quiet, it's... It's a composed vehicle. It's, you know, it's luxury lah, in, a, in a nutshell. Lah. Mm. But mm. when you push it, like what we did on the Sepang circuit, and we really pushed it, you hear a growl. You hear a grunt. Not, not an exhaust note, an engine note, you know? Mm -mm. You hear that, 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 that gruff noise, you know? I, I don't know how to describe it, lah, but, you know, uh, go to the showroom and test drive it yourself, lah, you know? So <laughs> there's, there's three modes. You've got comfort, you got sports and you got sports plus. Now, comfort is when you're, you know, doodling in the city, when you got traffic jam, you just, you know, stop, go, stop, go. You just leave it in, in comfort mode. Sports mm. mode is when you get some excitement out of it. Now, sport plus is where you get, you know, a real sports sedan drive. But be careful because why? It can get a little bit dangerous if you don't know what you're doing, you know, because it oh. is fast. It is quick. This, this vehicle has got quite a bit of power. So you must understand what you're doing with it, you know? Mm -mm. 
So don't think you just want to put it into Sport Plus, drive around the city. This is when people have issues with cars, you know? Uh-huh. You get what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about accidents. Yeah. <laughs> You know, some people think I can just put it in the sports plus and just whack it, lah. You know, you can whack it, lah. Then you get whacked as well, lah. So, with the F Sport, you get two hundred and seventy-five horsepower. That is hot hatch territory. Okay, and you get how heavy is this thing? Sorry, do you know? Um, uh, I didn't check the weight. I can check the weight and come back to you. You know. Okay. Uh, I'm just thinking if you've got that amount of, you know, it, it it's it's got to be have some power distribution. Yes. Okay, the size of this thing, uh, the size of this uh, this uh, Lexus NX F Sport is about a Honda CRV, so it's not Got very it. big. You know, it's Got about it. it's about the same size as a BMW X3. Mm-mm. Okay, so it's got four hundred and thirty newton meters of torque. So in comparison to the BMW X3, which has two hundred and forty nine horsepower, which is you know against two seventy five, which is much less. And the BMW has got 350 Newton meters, which is, you know, 80 Newton meters less than the, the Lexus. This Lexus is really, really sporty. Hmm. I'll emphasize the word really, really sporty because on the Sepang circuit was the best way for us to really understand how quick this vehicle is. Mm-hmm. Now, on top of that, you get into this vehicle, the leather, the touch and feel points. You know, Lexus, are, there's only two facilities in the world where they, they, they make a Lexus. In Japan, of course, at the headquarters, and also in Canada for the American market. Okay, North mm-hmm. American market and also South American market. So you have only two facilities, and they make sure that the quality is kept to a certain standard. Now, you will not hear of Lexus doing local assembly in Malaysia or Indonesia or you know Singapore or Thailand or anywhere else simply because they want to maintain that high quality standard. So right. nothing has been, you know stinged or you know short changed in this vehicle you get what i mean yeah yeah right and one little feature which i found interesting to open the door when you're inside the car to open the door there's a little button you just press the button and the door opens wow you literally just that press the cool. button and the door opens so it's the same thing that you find in a rolls royce oh nice yeah so, very luxe yeah, so Lexus has really gone, you know, the whole nine yards with this SUV. I think the next generation of Lexus vehicles will all have a lot of this, what this vehicle has, and a little bit more. And to think about it, if Lexus can do this with this car, can you imagine what its sister company, Toyota, can do? Mm. Because Lexus is owned by Toyota. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So, they can, take a, yeah, so they can take a lot of this tech and put it in a Toyota very soon. So maybe in a couple of years' time, you'll be seeing some of this tech even in a Toyota. Maybe not the luxury elements, but the technology. Ah, I remember how excited you got about the uh, the Range Rover's handles. Mm. Was, it, was it as exciting as that when you were playing with it? Well, you know, the Range Rover handle, that's for, you know, when you open from the outside, you just press a little button, yeah. it, 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 it opens up. That one to me was nice, but you know, you can get dirt trapped inside and all kinds of little things. Because why? If it's raining and, you know, mm, mm. All, all those kind of things. But this one is on the inside. So when you're inside, instead of pulling a door handle, you just press a button. I mean, it's, it's a nice little feature. It's a nice little, um, like, you know, to show off. Lah, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So anyway, back to the price. The Lexus yeah. NX250, the lesser model, is 378888 now, this NX350 F-Spot with all the bells and whistles is only 
19,000 ringgit more. So 19,000 ringgit more, you get bigger wheels, you get a more powerful engine, you get some, you know, little extra features on the inside. So why would anyone buy the lesser model? That's it. And especially, yeah, exactly. If you can afford to buy a Lexus, you're going to fork out an extra. Yeah, if, if you're already going to go in and buy something for 370 yeah. and they say another 19,000, you get all this. I mean, those rims alone might cost an extra 5,000 or 6,000. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then the engine power delivery is a big difference. So you might as well just buy the, the F-Sport. That is what is happening right now. And because, you know, of the bookings, this is, you know, like we were talking earlier about, you know, car, what is this, uh, you know, sold out and everything else. Mm. Mm. The first batch is already sold out. If you order your car today, you'll be lucky to get it by December. Wow. Well, there you go. Mm. Okay. Let's wrap up for the day, shall we? Yep. Yep. What a lovely show. Welcome back, everybody. This has been Cruise Control, of course. My name is Rich Bradbury. I've been joined by my friends Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my and Ali Johan, of course. If you missed any part of the show, don't forget you can download it wherever you normally get it from. We recommend the BFM app. It's available in the Apple App Store or Google Play. So we'll be back, same time, same place, next week here on BFM 89.9 for Cruise Control. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.